0: I'm Dan Walters, And I'm Anthony Peters. This is the No Ideas Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 10 of the No Ideas Podcast.
0: Yeah, welcome.
1: Uh, today's episode is with
0: Danny Sangra. Yeah, so um, if you don't know Danny's work, he's a filmmaker, an illustrator, an artist. I he guess, is, is a, a savant,
1: where well, he's good at everything, <laughs> I think. He's, he's brilliant at everything. Okay. He's kind of multi-talented, and we highly recommend that you go and watch a few of his short films before listening to the podcast. Yeah,
0: all, all the links to um, a, a load of our favourite shorts of his are on the website. Um and also he's done one feature film, Gold Bricks in Bloom that
1: Which we discussed quite a bit towards the end.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and it's a brilliant it's a brilliant feature. All, all his work's great and it's well worth checking out because we do discuss quite a lot of different bits and pieces yeah. from his career. So as always we met at Brighton Station. Yeah, we did. And we've got this little thing going <laughs> on. Uh every episode now. Uh, where I get to the station first on the train, Dan's waiting for me, and I try and take a photo of him and send it to him on WhatsApp before he's even noticed that yeah, I'm I've there.
0: still not managed to beat you, have I? Uh, this time, he was looking out
1: for me and hiding, but still didn't manage to pat yeah. me. So... uh that's well, not That, really that must
0: be ten zero then. Ten at the moment, but you know More you didn't everything. know the rules the first couple of <laughs> first couple of times.
1: So we then uh, had our normal routine of we get something to eat and a coffee, and yeah. then
0: and it's always sunny when we do always these. Always sunny. It's pretty unreal, really. Yeah.
1: So. so then we got the train up to London, and then the tube across, way out beyond Wall yeah.
0: uh, And arrived at Danny's. Just as we arrived, we, we got a message from him saying he had to go out and uh, work on an edit in the morning. Um, so he was going to be a few minutes. So we just hung out in the sun, and we, yeah, waited for him to come back? gorgeous. And when he arrived, he was, what, five inches taller than we yeah, expected? Yeah, way taller. I mean, Dan's pretty
1: tall, but Danny Sangra was, like, taller <laughs> than both of us. And also, his house is quite a, an unassuming mid-terrace, but inside yeah. it was absolutely gorgeous. So many books that I totally should have put in my bag. Um <laughs>
0: great artwork all over yeah, the walls. He he'd like it's... decorated some of the walls, didn't he, in um kind of hand painted murals and there was lots of his pieces that we'd seen in his films that were kinda of hanging up and yeah, it was really cool and he gave us a tour which was great to sort of see all that stuff before we started.
1: Absolutely. And then we sat down, started to record and we over the course of the show we covered so much different mm. stuff from growing up in Leeds Um, from drawing on magazines in his mum's hairdressers. Yeah, and
0: talking about his favourite kids' film, which he knew in an instant, didn't uh, he? He didn't even hesitate, which you'll find out in a minute. His his favourite film, Full Stop, (laughs) isn't it? Which (laughs) he's putting
1: on in London. Um, And we learned quite a few things ourselves, Mm. didn't we? About taking chances, and that's how you grow a career, is by saying you can do something and then learning how to
0: do it. Yeah. And not being afraid
1: to say yes to things because you don't think you have the
0: skills. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, we um, talked about his his kind of career as a filmmaker making commercials for like uh, incredible fashion brands. Like Burberry. And, yeah, and like car manufacturers.
1: Yeah, working with Metallica. He talks about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. Which <laughs> is all kinds of musicians. Um, not that he's a big Metallica fan, but his stories about these people are just yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and for Again, some, taking chances. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. And for somebody who's... He's not a name dropper, he's just so down to earth, mm. and yet he's worked with incredible
0: brands and incredible you know, musicians yeah. and people. We were, so, just, we were kind of inspired by how prolific he is. Like he just makes little personal projects, he talked about having like a few hours one afternoon didn't he, and having all the equipment, and just making a yeah. short film, which is one of our favourite ones. It's the equipment that was left over from another yeah. from a commercial job, and we he just thought we've still got this. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and that's
1: what and and he doesn't think he's prolific no he thinks he's prolific at FIFA (laughs) but but when you if you don't know his work already and you check it out and then you listen to this you'll realise it's very easy to fall in love with his work and his films and his ethic yeah you know Um, so anyway we really loved this one yeah it was a great one and we can't wait for you to hear it so yeah enjoy the show Opening scene, Danny Sangra, an artist, illustrator and filmmaker, enters the room and sits before a microphone, ready to share his stories and successes in a life-changing interview akin to Frost and Nixon, 77. The camera slowly pushes into the scene and Danny, who has worked with clients including Burberry, Nike, Ray-Bans and Diesel, gets comfortable in his chair and prepares to reflect upon the laughter and tears, the highs and lows of being a maverick creative in the 21st century. The camera fades and we go right back to the beginning. Hey Danny thanks for being on the show <laughs> you alright <laughs> alright let's start with the most important question what was your favourite film as a kid
2: Big Trouble in Little China oh watch that at Christmas <laughs> I, I, I can without missing a beat I said yeah you that. did it. yeah I know Like that's the one if anyone ever asked me my favourite film period it's Big Trouble in Little China because there's films like I love boogie nights, yeah, but it's not oh, it old enough yet for me. There's a few other films, but like Big Drum of Little China, it's not just the film; it's everything that I remember that, that I associate with. Like, you know, I was like five years old, and my mum came back from the video store back when there was video stores, and was like, "Oh, the neighbour downstairs said you'd like this film, whatever. So I get it; you get it into the old padded rental kids, yeah, right? yeah. And you put it in i remember like the, the the flat that we used to live in and we were super broke at that point and most importantly i'd always every weekend i was allowed to get like a video out you know friday night and he got yeah the man and we used to get it from it was like the corner shop that had the little things but it had like you know video rental stores and like the crappy carpet yeah. and it was just that feeling so for me because my biggest regret in life was that I never worked in a video shop. I was never, like, I wasn't hired. No one took me on. It wasn't like I didn't try. But that's, like, my biggest loss in life, not working. But, so whenever I say Big Trip in Little China, yeah, it's a great film, but it's that. It's, like, that's that smell of videos, that everything about it, that's what it... It's a moment yeah. in time as yeah. much as
1: the... But I watched it at Christmas and it's still amazing.
2: Doesn't, it doesn't stop, right? It's no. relentless. Yeah. The, it's The pace of it is just, yeah. But also, could, I, This whole podcast could be me <laughs> just talk about Big Trouble <laughs> on the channel, right? No, that's Maybe that's, a, that's another, another time. Um,
1: yeah, I saw it at Christmas and what I loved, I didn't notice when I was a kid, because it's like, this is an exciting film, you mm. can tell there's something amazing, is how it sends up America... Like, the American is yeah. the clueless that's, character That's innit?
2: why it didn't do well. Oh, really? So, the beginning bit, you know, it's got that guy, actually, this way where I get nerdy.
1: <laughs> I like, and and he's him. like,
2: uh, and the guy's like, what happened? And he's like, don't you say anything about Jack Burton. He's a hero. Yeah. They had to put that in afterwards. Oh, no, To really? tell the American audience, like, that he literally says, he is a hero yeah. before the film starts. Just so you know. <laughs> but he's not he's not no. he's essentially the sidekick yeah he totally is to the um, non-american uh, you know to the Chinese-American he is
1: he's the comedy yeah. the comedy sort of sidekick
2: but they weren't having any of it at that time though. yeah
1: it's um oh man I'm so glad I watched that at Christmas because <laughs> otherwise it would have it's been 20 years since I last gonna saw it I'm going to need to watch
2: it again oh. but you see from that this is when because I've got that filmed everything and uh, I've started doing a single The Chain Month where everything has to be related to the previous mm. film. I can only do it like once a year because I just did one this month actually. But the thing from Big Triple China is you get the Three Storms, and the Three Storms came from um, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Okay. So if you ever watch of Vengeance, they're from that same guy, same style, or whatever. So you can like, there's so much stuff you can link from. Amazing. From film. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man, I we knew it was gonna yeah, be like that. Yeah. Good, we sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, so can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your childhood was like?
2: Yeah, I grew up in Leeds uh I was born in nineteen eighty, so through the eighties into the nineties. Uh on a my parents went back when I was four so it started off all good and nice and then uh we lived in Spain for a minute. And then, yeah, and then, you know, lost a lot of money. And then, yeah, it's like a, it was a council estate in Leeds, called the Queens Hills. It's a big Jewish estate. Okay. It's a Jewish council estate in the middle of, like, two other council estates. But um, it was all right. There was, like, 20 kids. It was always, you know, 20 kids and no dads. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> what,
1: that's what it was like for me. Uh, yeah.
2: Um, do you, uh,
1: what did your folks do?
2: Ah, uh, hairdressers. So my, yeah, my mum still is a hairdresser. Uh, my dad was a hairdresser, but he, I, you know, like, I mean, he was Sikh. So in that era, the, all that side of the family, were heavily artistic or at least creative. And they were all like, you know, my granddad was a carpenter. So it was always this hands-on kind of approach. But I think my dad, if he was probably from a different era, maybe a wealthier background, you probably would have done photography. Okay. Was, that's, yeah. That's what everyone thought I was going to do.
1: Because you've mentioned before that your uncle and your dad both did yeah, a lot of, yeah. took a lot of photos.
2: Yeah, my eldest uncle, um, who's actually an engineer, he, you know, he used to design ore rigs up in... Oh, nice. So like pee pee and stuff, uh, ...for shell, sorry. And, um But yeah, they all still make stuff. But he used to take a lot of photos. But my dad was like the one... He was like, the, you know, he was the one who, I think because I was really young when he put me onto all that stuff, like even films. Um, he, the first film I can remember watching, and I didn't know it at the time, was like Kurosawa films. Okay. And that's not me trying to be like, ooh. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. It's just because my dad did martial arts and he was heavily into like, um, you know, Asian culture. But, um, he just loved Kurosawa and Cubic. Yeah. That was so nice. I, I didn't well, know what I was watching. Well, yeah, right, yeah, just yeah. like, I it, don't even know if I enjoyed it. I just saw it. So, yeah. Wow. That's nuts. Wow.
1: Um, do you have any of their pictures, their photographs?
2: I do. Uh, I do actually. I actually posted a couple, um, that my dad took, because Leeds Carnival is like the second biggest carnival. So we kind of grew up, a lot of my family was involved in that, um, and I found a bunch of his stuff after he died. Like, um, yeah, we picked out a bunch of stuff. So I think I did a little post about okay. it. Okay. I think my agent then posted a little story about it. But it's quite nice to see.
1: We've pillaged your Instagram. We'll have to go back. It's just like yeah, so this, much different stuff. Yeah, no, it's not.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not well curated. Um,
0: so at this point, you, you decided to draw instead of doing photography. Why, why was that?
2: I, you know what, well, right? I can tell you the, the day I started. Right drawing because before I was eight years old and I was in my mum's my mum had a barbershop at the time and she had those big barbershop chairs had big heavy ones big red barbershop chair and I was swinging on it and she was she was working she was cutting someone's hair and she was like careful you're going to fall over obviously I fall over <laughs> it lands on me and I'm like kind of a bit shaken and so her assistant at the time sort of sat me down and just to calm me down or something she just it, it was a hero. So, He was like, "Um, Can you draw this cartoon? And it was a Tom Johnston comic strip from like News of the World or something, or a Sunday thing. And I started drawing, I can still draw that character to this day. So I started just drawing like that. And then he showed me how to like do the figures made out of sausages, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then it was the first time I think I I just enjoyed doing it. I was like, Oh, I think I'm quite good at this. And, And I just like drawing. So I just would draw cartoons and. Really to just make up little stories with cartoons but that's how it started and then my mum was the sort of person that was like you know receptionists would come to get a haircut and they'd bring me in like you know the old computer paper with the spools on the yeah, side yeah yeah just a box that of that dot matrix Amazing, yeah, yeah and i just like on that, and that was that was it oh. that was everything so just yeah chills again it's <laughs> normally good if I get chills it's normally <laughs> a good sign isn't it? Oh. Um. <laughs> so do you have any siblings uh, no um, only child but okay. I come from a big family yeah so like especially in Indian culture you're kind of like your first cousins are more like your brothers and sisters okay. so there's like I don't know it's like 20 of us and <laughs> right, okay. I'm the middle of pretty much everyone now a proper tribe then big, yeah big no, birthdays and Christmas it is yeah. but the age range is like massively like the ones older than me are, like, were too old to hang out with me. And then the younger ones were too young. So there's, like, a few of us in the middle that, you know, they're, like, my, like, little brothers and sisters. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: So, Did you get on well with your folks? Uh,
2: uh, not with my dad, no. <laughs> we didn't... We went through a massive period of, like, not getting on at all. We clashed a lot. So
1: in your teenage years?
2: Yeah, teenage years. You know, when... You know, when you sort of from that like kind of especially like a single parent family, suddenly when your dad comes back on the scene and you've had to be the man of the house at 13, mm-hmm. it's there's gonna be a clash, but um, yeah, he's a big drinker as well, so you've got to put that into consideration, but uh, yeah, beats, yeah, he's pretty tough as well as far as like drawing and stuff. What do mean? Was, like- he was a beast when it came to that, like, the, like it, it was so strict for me to like how I did things and what I had to do. And like, you know, do you know I mean, so like, but he kind of set that work ethic in mind, but there was always like a level. Wow. So yeah. he
1: supported your drawing, but just but like pushed you to be
2: Yeah, my mum supported it in a loving way. Do you know I mean like, hmm. you know, like when I was like 15 or something and I wanted to work placement, she was like, well, where do you want to go? And I loved manga. So she was like, well, let me find out about that. And she found out Manga had the headquarters in Hammersmith at the time, <laughs> so I did my work workplace with Manga. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, I've got an Akira cell actually somewhere around there. Um Yeah, but whereas my dad was very much like, "Why are you doing that? What are you doing? You've got you know like the process. Of just keep filling in sketchbooks, keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing." Um, but he kind of told me photography. But I think I didn't do photography because it was too expensive.
1: Yeah. Because it's all filmed. So yeah, so, yeah. Couldn't,
2: couldn't, at that point I couldn't afford it. Mm. So I just, um, you draw pictures. Well,
0: you mentioned um, before we started recording that your uh, your mum's hairdresser now is full of your work. Yeah,
2: all well, my mum's sounds like filled <laughs> with all my, at one point I painted it all and then I painted it all white again. But yeah, it's all, all loads of my work, is in it's there. It's like now, a gallery. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird little gallery.
0: It's a permanent solo show. I know, right? At least, yes, at least I got one. Uh, have, so what were your favourite subjects at school? And did you have a favourite teacher?
2: Um, I, I had a good art teacher in high school. Well, no, you know what? Actually, in primary school, there was a teacher called Mr Potter, who actually I, I, I uh, saw recently. Um, and I taught a little class at my oh, primary man. school right, maybe with some nine year olds, and it's probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. Like, I, I, I can, on, it's not yeah. like a cheesy way to say it, I, it was so good. Was that drawing? Like, yeah, yeah, I just, but I was sort of teaching them stuff that I never understood and it would never get taught to a child. Advancing like, them, yeah. Yeah, so I just taught them, you know, we started off easy, like, just pattern making and, and mark making so they understood how to use their pen or yeah, their yeah. brush and not just like you get a pen or a pencil or a brush or whatever and you try and do something really accurate i was like make marks of it like test things out and then i went from there to to help them understand like it's about ideas and not the technique absolutely because technical technique will come you're not absolutely. nine years old yeah totally so i just sort of taught them a simple spider diagram like if they get stuck you just start with one word and anything That's goes you know and um and it was amazing because some of them clicked on it and it really responded well and I'm just like hoping that once that's lodged in their brain now that, that'll just keep, keep them going but it was it was so good but yeah that was my old teacher uh, Mr. Pot he came to a Burberry show I was doing it and, nice and I, oh, and amazing yeah, it was cool <laughs> and then yeah and then I had one in high school called Mrs. Barham who just uh, basically they, the art department let me get it of anything like I'm in a dark room at one point. (laughs) Right. It was just, yeah. That's how teachers should be though, isn't it? They should. Yeah. Some are. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Teachers have got a really tough job. A few of my friends are teachers. Budget's being cut and now they're all about targets and they're no longer about like creating little inquisitive minds. They're about filling quotas. It's
2: It's really, it's really, and you know, and they have, yeah, they do have a really tough job. My cousin, my younger cousin, um, teach uh, special needs. Um, children and I don't think anything I do can compare to that yeah. like on, honestly like when I see what first of all how he he's always like tired but he's always like really well rewarded for amazing. it. amazing you know? yeah but, um, yeah I couldn't he's so he's a lot stronger than me
1: so who inspired you to pursue a creative path
2: I think it's the only thing I could do okay. I, I don't think I was good at anything else like I, do you mean like academically Absolutely. I didn't. Um, I didn't. I think if I was from a different background, I may have enjoyed writing earlier, but that came way later. Um, but it was, my mom was always like, "Just whatever you do, just love what you do." She's just like, "If as long as you do that, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make millions. Don't matter about that. If you're doing something you, like my mom loves hairdressing." Do you know what I mean? So like, I think I just. White, like you know, if you can, if I had mates working in factories. Yeah, I, mm. I'm not like I'm, yeah, I'm too weak for that. So yeah, I did a few. I'm too lazy for that. Yeah, to <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's
1: tough work. Yeah. Um. So then you went on to do your art foundation in Leeds, and yeah. then on to St Martin's to do graphics. What made you choose graphics?
2: Uh, when I went to my foundation course, because Leeds is really good actually for a foundation course. It's like super strong. Um. I thought I'd end up doing fine art. And then they were kind of looking at it and then they were no, you should do graphic design. And I was like, and I could see it. And then I kind of went with it. And then um, I was like, oh no, this is totally, it seems to be the sort of way for me, especially in that era, graphic design mm. was, was starting to change at that point. yeah, And so, and then St. Martin's was kind of, not like any of a graphic design. It's basically a fine art course, but, you leave it and you can probably get a job easier. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not that I did get a job. But (laughs) but yeah, no, so, and so, what happened with St. Martin's is then you can split it up after the first year so you do graphic design and photography or film and illustration. So I ended up, I started in graphic design and then I changed my main subject to illustration because I had a T-shirt label Japan at the time for (laughs) So I was like, give me more time if I did illustration. You had a t-shirt label. Yeah. What was it called? I don't want to say. (laughs) 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 It was just like, it was weird because I was just drawing like crappy cartoons and sort of, you know, everyone at that point was drawing characters and that sort of Mm. thing. And then this Japanese guy had seen it in a store I was working because I used to work in some trainer stores and they used to put up the artwork there and someone seen it and was like, do you want to do this thing? I was like, yeah, why not? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was in beams and I was in my second year of college. I was, I was all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um and then yeah and then I hated it because I was like this stuff is rubbish <laughs> but uh, yeah I don't know how to get on that subject.
1: we're talking about St Martin's <laughs> it's yeah summer. yeah
2: yeah so yeah so I basically switched to illustration so give me free time and I don't think my illustration tutor liked me at all oh no um probably because he knew that or I don't know whatever other reason um but you know but he put me in his book when he made it so obviously respects <laughs> the
1: the work then um what kind... What were your influences at this... At this time?
2: Um... Not really any... my to be fair my first influences uh, were primarily mainly all photographers. Okay. But like easy ones like Bresson. Like okay. like nothing and then it kind of... Then I sort of... There was a lot of that street art sort of scene that was going on mm. at the time and... I really liked, um, Kami and Sasu. Kami, do you know, Kami in Japan at the time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the time Kami was kind of doing stuff way, just different to everyone else. Like he was more pattern based and things like that. And I had friends who used to paint with him and then weirdly all that group, like there was like a school collective. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That was our next question. Yeah. You're us to it. and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I looked up to, like, Will and those guys and things like that. And then eventually I sort of joined them. But then I was kind of, like, they already had their little, like, Will and they're all good guys. And, like, Will and I painted a bunch of stuff together. But I was kind of, like, a diff. I, I kind of came in at a different angle. Because I kind of was more involved in, like, fashion and bits and bobs. Yeah. So, like, I kind of didn't want to draw. I just straight up didn't want to draw characters. yeah. I was like, I'm over that now. Um, but at the time, no one was doing that. so it didn't. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I just want to do this weird pattern thing.
1: <laughs> they got, they had, a, they got a lot of coverage back then as had, well. They really they like, had them, a couple of the little, the yeah. little um, zines and stuff like that.
2: No, they definitely were. Th- they, like, in England at that time, they were like the ones. I think. Yeah, and even to you know, but it was funny because like I'd watch Will paint and I was influenced by that but then I know he saw how I was using a brush and then he changed yeah. he added some things to him and it was just kind of cool because it was like oh. but yeah but what I didn't know was you know when you're in art school you look at these people and you think oh yeah they just wake up and they yeah. just fucking draw and then go back to bed it's like I didn't know they were all working in call centers yeah. and do that yeah. if they'd have said that <laughs> <laughs> maybe I won't be sat here <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but um, yeah and then eventually like I always loved William Cl- William Klein is probably the biggest okay. thing for me but I, I'll probably get back to that later I guess okay. I don't know where and yeah. um, so you graduated in
0: 2003 what was your first big job after leaving
2: I I had my big jobs before okay. okay like so like like I said like I was doing stuff for Beams in my second year I was working with Sleaze Nation um throughout my third right. year when, when that was done. Yeah, that try, was yeah. pretty cutting edge as well. Yeah.
1: Some of those, yeah. I remember the Cher Guevara sleeve and things like
2: this. Oh, like yeah, the, yeah. They were, you know, so like I do like illustration bits and bobs for yeah.
1: them. There's a little bit Nathan Barley, but then a lot of magazines Oh, man, that, that whole period, that. I mean, yeah. that
2: Nathan Barley had to come from somewhere, right? It, yeah, so, absolutely. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was kind of doing stuff like that and then, I, and then I had like, yeah, my second year, I had like a, a show when... With fifty-five days and when they opened that, when that was, you know, kind of really opened, I started the first show there. And so I was doing bits and bobs, but then I suppose I did like a big Sony job, uh, just maybe about a year after I graduated. Maybe not even that. It was just a TV commercial. I was painting in the commercials, and then. But I was always working. Like I've even I, you know, I was doing stuff. like I had a weekend job, but then I'd have like. A job in japan and right, have i have to come back from a weekend job and it, it when that carried on it got kind of frustrating because I, I remember i was doing um i used to work in a store and then i won't name a store but like um <laughs> it was a cool store at the time but i and i used to run the gallery in there okay and um like futura would do shows nice. there and Neck Face and all that and i think um a WK Interact was there doing a show. I was just assisting him doing like the wheat pasting and stuff. And he just come from Japan. He'd been to this exhibition. He was like, blah, ba blah. I was like, "Yeah, that was mine." He was like, "What? Why are you here?" <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I was like, "Cause I need to pay rent." Yeah. Do you, know what you mean so yeah, like? Yeah. And then it would just get weird because like some people would come in, like, "What are you doing here? Are you doing a project?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I'm working. I'm folding shirts but or whatever." That's but,
1: good though. That's like, like your dad. <laughs> Pushing you to make sure that you you're on target, you're doing what you love, but you're making sure that you can pay your rent. I mean, it's, that's...
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was my mum, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, but I mean, um, it's those attitudes yeah. that you were taught, all pushing you. Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah. But, it's, but it does get frustrating when you're like, oh, what? I got mates coming from college. You're like working in studios. Yeah. And, mm. you know. Do you
1: think? Do you think there's more? that work was more readily available back in 2003 for graduates than it would be now there's quite a lot of people doing illustration
2: uh, like, oh for, yeah i mean the market's definitely saturated but but it was saturated i think even around that it okay. started to get it started, i think it yeah. was maybe towards the end of that right like yeah. where like they were like at that point you still would get trips to Japan to paint a wall amazing yeah do you yeah. mean and like they were my first trip? like I remember I graduated and I went to Japan amazing I never, you know I turned up with like 15 pound in my bank and amazing you know and it, but everything's paid for so you're like, alright this is going kind of alright but <clears throat> but it, it seemed to be I don't know if there was more of that then because I was doing more of that then and maybe there still is that but I you know budgets and everything mm, yeah. all changed anyway but um but yeah there's yeah it's definitely way more saturated now but there's other things you can do now though there's stuff like we couldn't do yeah yeah totally. you, know, but like,
1: you mean on the online world or the
2: any like access to like even the fact that like, when i left it was hard to say to direct yeah whereas like once you kind know, of made the 5d and or you know 5d mark ii blew everything everyone was only a director <clears throat> so things became more accessible so i think certain things like illustration yeah I don't know how people make a full on living out of that yeah. without doing this. but to be a successful illustrator you have to do the thing that works over and over and over and over yeah. again you know like general yeah. Scarf is Javel Scarf because he does Javel Scarf yeah. but um, but now like you know I've got like cousins like 12 animating
1: yeah, yeah that's the same my son's 11 my daughter's <laughs> yeah. 13 yeah and all their heroes are all like YouTubers yeah right and some of those are making so much money and it's like Games, YouTubers, like memes, the world the creative world, yeah. the visual world is so utterly different for kids growing up now. Yeah. You wonder where it's exciting to, to know where it's going. So I
2: think all of that is you know, there's always fresh stuff. It's just the stuff we were into got overpopulated yeah. because we can't do the new stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. We're becoming dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, no, trying to stay ahead of the yeah, again. <laughs> I've got my iPad <laughs> I actually haven't drawn on paper since I bought it, to be honest. Oh, That's really? fucking depressing, but yeah. But it's good. You, um, I'm not sponsored by Apple, by the way. <laughs> <it wasn't. laughs>
1: um, you've mentioned before that drawing for commercial work is very different for drawing for yourself.
2: Yeah. Um, Did I put that in an interview or something? Yeah, yeah, We found yeah. it in the, in the research.
1: <laughs> What's can you mind talking about these these differences?
2: Um, yeah, I mean that's why that's partly why I ended up doing film because I went through a phase where I was looking at my work and like oh, I don't even look like my work anymore. I didn't even like it. But I think and then you've got to get comfortable with what you do. Mm. And so I went through a phase of. You know, it generally, when it comes to sort of commercials and things like that, they'll look at the work you've already done and they kind of want, because it's a safe bet, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're like, well, can you do something like that for us? But a lot of my personal work is very freeform. You know, like I write whatever I want mm. to write. But uh, in the early stages, the big thing is like, well, you need to get like, it'd be good to get like a Nike client, it'd be good to get like whoever, whoever. And so you start doing that, and then when you're showing people you work, you need to show them your brands. So you put in the night job, or you put in work, and then you put in the jobs where it was like the watered down version of the watered down version. And then eventually, you know, you might be getting working, but then where I'm not, you know, I bring everything back to you. Got to think about why you started doing it in the first place. You did it because you love to do it, and you just you felt good if you finished the picture and then you moved on to the next thing and so I try and keep reminding myself you just you keep working it's not like it doesn't end you know what I mean so like I just like well <clears throat> I think that's why I do so many different things because I've worked in a way that I used to get bored of illustrating and when I got bored I was like all right what do I do now <laughs> so like then I made it so when I got bored I could then make a short film yeah. and then when I get a bit bored like if that's taken up too much time I can draw again and now I could do I could take photos or I could write and yeah. to be honest I spend, now I spend more of my time writing than I do anything else but I, I kind of I lose patience really really quickly. yeah. and I'm weirdly lazy so I don't know how <laughs> lazy and massively prolific yeah right, I don't know how that works but <laughs> to say that I spent the last month just playing FIFA <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know we'd be surprised some people <laughs> Dan, um, Dan so plays B for it yeah, an awful lot Occasionally, it's great
0: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, so we uh, during our research we read that you rediscovered a love of drawing uh, an artist resident in the Bahamas could you yeah.
2: tell us yeah. oh about Oh my god, this. that sounds so... <laughs> oh, so I'm such a dick. <laughs> How did that come about? No, that actually came about because... <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry. After I was saying to you like... I sort of went through a phase when I was looking at work and I wasn't happy with it. I just was like, I don't feel I'm any good at it. Um, I was like, I'm just going to sort of roam around a bit. So I just left England for a while I was in New York for a while and I had my I was with an agency at the time who uh, really caught like Camilla Lothar and um, there's only like me and Julie Verhoeven on that roster for illustrators and the rest I mean, she's like the queen but you can't, I mean it's Julie Verhoeven so I was and I was like 25 and like way out my daisy so it wasn't kind of working out for me, so I kind of left and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to leave England for a while. So I kind of just roamed around and <clears throat> just took in stuff. And I suppose that's when I sort of started writing a bit more, but just not thinking about mm. it, as I just didn't want to draw. So then I ended up, my friend had done this artist residency in the Bahamas with pop-up art studios. There a really good bunch of people there. And he was like, oh, I didn't think you'd want to do it because I didn't think you'd like the sun. I'm like, why do people think
0: <laughs> why do people think I wouldn't like sunshine? What human being?
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, no. So they were like, look, you do one month for two. And so I was like, I'll do two. Because in the back of my head, I was always like, oh, shit, it's the fan. I just want to live on an island and sack everything <laughs> off. I learned within a week. I cannot do that right. because I went to that island and I was like, fuck, I'd be bored. Did you bored. not like the sun? I loved the <laughs> sun but I was like, what do you do? I don't know. So I was doing this thing and and it was funny because everyone kept coming to the studio and being like, oh, you should do things like with, at the beach and with colour and this and that. I was like, no, nah. and I just did black and white work right. in the Bahamas and it was like, what is this? But it was there when I was sort of like testing out a, a, like, Kind of what I'm doing now. I, it's, it's, it's how it started, anyway. It was a lot more freeform, and I was just painting in, in a certain way. And then, and then I thought I was going to come back, and that's that would be all my new stuff. Mm. But what happened was I came back and just was like. Fuck this, I want to do film stuff and make short films. Or, like, make <laughs> fashion films with Friends. And so then I just didn't do any of it. And then I just started making little films with Friends. Okay. Um, a lot of my friends were directors at the time. And I was I was on the Friends shoot and I was seeing how he did it. I was like, oh. And we had a little, little music show that we did in a friend's pub, which was probably the funniest time I've ever had. A music show? Yeah, it was called The knockin Shop. And it was... <laughs> it was like a cross between it was like Reeves and Mormon meets the amazing. word how oh, amazing and <laughs> love both of those it, honestly I mean we'd get there at 9 in the morning we'd leave silly times but when you're in a pub owned by your friends and it's a really cracky pub as well <laughs> yeah. um, and you're like what am I doing and it's just <laughs> random cooking shows and fake robots it was so bizarre but that's what I because I wasn't really directing at that point when right? Ollie was doing that and I would just write the scenes and things like that I think mean, that's what I honestly it was the most fun like, do you I mean, think that's
1: what put the wind in your sails for the for the rest of it yeah because I,
2: I yeah I guess so it, it, it definitely helped it I think it was more just like also part of it was just like I don't think I want to be like 40 50 60 Illustrator. Yeah. I was like, I can't see me doing this like longer than, you know, so I needed something new. And it was funny because after I joined, like when I, because then I joined Academy Films and all that. And uh, like a year before my dad died, uh, I just turned 30. And I was like, you know what, let's just bury the hatchet. And I went to see him and we were sort of talking. And I said, and the first thing I said was like, oh, you've seen him doing film stuff now? Because that was his like love. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he goes, have done what took you so long because he always thought I'd go that way and I was like oh okay right and that was like that but yeah that's amazing so it was written then when he died then I then shit hit the fan like then I really like churned out like 13 films in a year and I'm not sure if that probably had something to do with it I don't know but I just really was like oh, I'm just gonna make all this stuff I don't care mm-hmm. if it looks good or whatever I just want to get all these ideas out so yeah
0: We're having a great time recording the podcast and it's really good to hear that you guys are enjoying it too. So keep on commenting, letting us know that you're enjoying it. Like and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram so you can keep up with what we're doing. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. Now back to the
2: show. (laughs) (laughs) Someone was shooting a documentary about me and they went back to Leeds and I was with all the crew and whatever and i got friendly with one of the camera guys and the camera guy and they all seemed to be impressed with the fact that i was such a film nerd but i didn't do film and so we sort of talk and then one day i happened to mention i was like oh, I had this idea for this photo shoot because i would built this set in my bedroom at the time and i was going to do it as a photo shoot and then someone was like oh, why don't you make a little video out of it i was like oh yeah i could do So then one of the camera guys had been working with this design group and was like, look, they like your work. They said they wanted you to paint a mural. And I said, well, all right, I'll paint a mural if they pay for this video. So they paid for this music video, but the best thing about this was I'd never shown anything before. My ex-girlfriend, who was my ex-girlfriend at that time, was a producer. So she she was getting into producing. So she was like, well, I'll help you out and be a producer on it. My flatmate had just quit his job, and the next day he was supposed to start his new job, and so he had a free day. So he's like, "All right, I'll come help you." So we we turn up to the studio, which at that from that point on, I wouldn't get a studio set up that big for the following two years. Right? <laughs> right? So we walk in. There's like a full team there, massive green screen studio okay it was like the works and my mate just like whispered he's like do they know you've never done this before (laughs) i I was like i was like shut the fuck up just like let's just just get through this and it was cool it was good you know it was real it doesn't look like anything like my work now but you've got to do these things so absolutely i did that and then after that then i just like make little films with friends who did like like musicians or whatever. But then I would more work with friends of mine who had like fashion labels. I just started out and we, there's no rules in fashion. So I could do what I wanted. Amazing. Um, And that, and then from there, um, this guy Morgan had just started at Academy films. I think I was, before me, it was like the stop motion animation music video wave that came in. And then my wave was kind of like, There was a lot of us making fashion films, and these production companies thought they could make money off that, so they took us all on. I didn't realise fashion films predominantly art films, and it don't kind of work that way. So, um, but I wanted to do like narrative pieces, but I had no narrative pieces. So, and and you can't win pitches for narrative. Scripts, if you haven't done narrative mm. scripts, you can't wear a car commercial. If you've not done a car commercial, yeah. it's you've a done car, abstracts it's, for fashion, like, yeah, yeah, you have to show that you've already done it to get it, which is catch 22, right? So, um, I said, No, nah, I'm just gonna go off and I'll make so. Oh, yeah, so I joined Academy Films at that time, made a couple of music videos I didn't particularly like. <laughs> Um, and then just like now I've got these little ideas for short stories and they kind of didn't really care (laughs) and uh, yeah and then I just took a little 5D in the zoom and made some films but it was all my scripts because the first thing was I wanted someone else to write the script so I asked friends who were writers I was like you know, can you do you want to write a little script with me, or do you want to write a script and I'll make the film? And they were, like, Yeah, 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 yeah. And nothing ever happened, yeah. so I was like, Well, I'll just write it. Mm. And that's how it's the only way I started writing. And your
1: tone is in all yeah, of those definitely. films, and so it's amazing that you did because it's you can just tell that they come from the same tone. Cheers. I wonder how it would be if you if someone else was writing and you were just directing, I feel like that voice would be a lot yeah.
2: thinner. <laughs> yeah, I think it it definitely there was a reason for it all you know mm-hmm. like but I think I would have got to that like I think the first ones I would have been because you know I went to school and I was never really told I was I, I actually did English literature as an A-level but I, I wasn't particularly good at it and I should have done create like English language instead of, but um, I was guided wrong I guess but um, and I never even read a book in school I hated reading I had to learn to enjoy it you yeah, know, like uh, yeah. it was only after college that I actually enjoyed reading before that's, then I'd have yeah, to yeah. read books
1: that's of some comfort to me because my 11 year old son doesn't read at all he's, yeah. he's sharp as a button but I don't even know what that you phrase get, means you get but, there you get there it. it just yeah.
2: takes one one author or one book and so are yeah. like oh okay mm. you know and the easy one's Bukowski you know, yeah when absolutely you're, If you get when you're going through that period in your life that's definitely yeah. at
1: 14 my secondary school teacher was giving me um, off curriculum text by Camus and Sartre, yeah. and you know, and, and that really shaped me. And Orwell and all of this stuff. I mean, yeah, Orwell yeah. was on the curriculum anyway with Animal Farm. But he saw something, and he was like, "You should read this." Yeah. And all of a sudden, my whole world came alive. And like I, reading... I wish, yeah.
2: I wish I'd have had that. I'm, I'm only, get, I've only been getting it the past I don't know, ten years or something. Yeah. But, but the hunger for it's there. So like, then I'm like, ah, oh. I get probably more inspiration for ideas from books now than I do anything mm-hmm. else you know like because I, I think less people are reading those books yeah so I'm like okay well it's okay if i like you know so but um,
1: just to go back to the commercials for a second we absolutely love the work you've done with Justin O'Shea <laughs> um, like and the idea of like him parodying himself like can you tell us about how you met Justin and your sort yeah, of working relationship that,
2: that was a funny one so I, I think I was in, I, th- I think I might have been coming back from Japan. I was coming back from somewhere, and he's always traveling. And I'd got this email from his company saying, um, we have this car, and we have this guy and his girlfriend. <laughs> Write whatever you want. And I just lost the pitch for, a, weirdly, I'd won this pitch for his car. It was in France. And then I lost it last minute because they'd bought my script, they'd bought into all of that. And then I lost it because they went, oh, can you send the showreels again? Send the showreels. And they went, where's his Audi commercial that we saw? And they were like, he hasn't done an Audi commercial. They're like, oh, the client only wants someone who's shot a car before. So regardless of them, like, actually taking my pitch in and doing all that. I lost it, so I was really pissed. So then I was like, "Well, now I have like one of the best cars I've ever seen. So at least if I can make a minute of that film looking like you know a car ad, then I want that's what the opening's going to be." So then we essentially just and I would put on like what would be called like a date night, <laughs> and so like you know I probably had my preconceptions of what he was going to be like, and then. I met him and he's actually just he's a really sweet guy like he's a really nice guy and um, we were just chatting straight straight and I went that night and I wrote that whole thing amazing and uh, because I tend to write pretty quickly so like scripts wise and um, and I I didn't even consider that he wasn't an actor because I kind of work with so many non-actors I can kind of coax them to it but um, what I wrote for him was like I've written less for actor-actors I was like, how's he gonna? Anyway, so he nailed it, like, nailed it. And it was like, a re- you know, we were in Berlin and it was a re- and I just finished my feature film. So I'd gone from this really intense, you know, 12 days, 120 pages, you know, tiny budget running around to then having like two days with this guy with like a 10 page script. And me and my producer at the time were like, just before we went to building we were like so is that everything like, yeah that's everything and we just sort of sat there like is there anything else we should be doing like I guess not it was, it was like so easy and Amazing. fluid and then that did really well and then yeah it kind of spiraled from it but then after that we did the, uh, the Metallica yeah. stuff but what happened after that was probably I've never laughed so much so we did the Metallica thing which I didn't originally want to do because yeah. we were supposed to be filming the second Balenciaga film in Paris and I was all set for that I had my flights everything sorted for that and then Justin calls me on like literally like a Tuesday he goes do you want to come to San Francisco and shoot Metallica on uh, on the weekend and I was like no because the, like the following Wednesday we had to shoot his other film I was like I can't I can't do that and he goes but it's Metallica and I didn't grow up listening to Metallica yeah, me but either. my wife was like it's fucking Metallica yeah. why wouldn't you do it so I was like <laughs> alright I'll do it if I can just write my own thing and he was like yeah of course so I wrote it sent it to him and he was like yeah cool I was like D- are they gonna do this like really <laughs> like are they really gonna go with this he's like yeah yeah don't worry about it they're cool so then the Balenciaga thing gets postponed anyway because Justin can't be there and some we fly out the for the shoot in for the Metallica thing. We do the Metallica thing, which is pretty funny. Rob was the best one out of everything. It's a good he, punchline. He's a was, really good yeah, punchline. He line. was the nice they were all nice guys. <laughs> um but uh Rob Rob is really good. And um so I he's in the background of pretty much all the shots just trying yeah. to like do the head-up. yeah <laughs> And um so that was all good but then I just I just shot somewhere else. We've gone there we go from there, we go to Paris, we're in Paris for like one day, we shoot in Caspier for this part of the Brioni thing, this other set of films we were doing with Justin. We sort of get a bit drunk because they love vodka and salmon and stuff, <laughs> in, in, uh, you know. And then we all then have to go to Ro- uh, Rome, yeah, to the headquarters to finish the rest of the films. I meet my DOP in Rome, and by this point, we're all like, I'm like so fucking tired <laughs> and we're in the offices we're Justin, like, just in like like pretending he's playing with a car going, blah, 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 and all <laughs> like that and then this whole thing about him like trying to learn how to speak italian and then there's this bit <laughs> where we got the whole actual design team to just stand in front of him as i drew this picture of like I just drew this oversized picture of like Justin with muscles, and like coming tattoos with just, just trousers on, and he like holds it up, and he's like, okay, so this season we're going to do pants. Right? So we're going to, and he's like, doing his thing, and like the, the design team, I don't know if they're like fully grasping what this is, and I'm just like, and I'm holding the boom because I'm doing the sound, I'm just like, tears are rolling down my eyes, and, like, and I, all I kept thinking was, how have we been allowed to do this? Like, who has said yes to this? um but you know what happened next is is in story so oh, okay right. but um oh very good <laughs> cliffhanger yeah but yeah so and then since then just and like, i like he's he he's just he's pretty funny yeah you know like he he doesn't mind sending himself up and i mm-hmm. realized like i didn't realize how far i pushed that though you know like but Wait,
1: the car and the i say see, i'd seen the drawings in the in the the video isn't
2: it yeah you know and it's um but he's yeah he's he's he done some funny stuff yeah um
0: so we we both love your yeah sure real mature show that you did in um in LA in 2017 I was just think about that sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um so all the work was displayed on old american school desks and set out like an exam yeah room, like in the breakfast club yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about the show
2: yeah so um that was with my friends who've got Archetype magazine uh, in LA, they're like really good old sort of friends and that sort of came through. There's a, one of my old friends in New York called Tony Acobaccio, he's good friends of Archetype and that kind of came up where when I was in LA, he was like, oh, you should meet those guys. So like, I met up with them and we just got on straight away. I mean, they just took football. And so, <laughs> um, you know, we were like, oh, we should do a show, we should do a show. And so I, you know, I'd been, I sort of would collect old magazines and old Mm. porn magazines and stuff like French and whatever. And I was like, oh, let's just, you know, we'll get a space and everything. And it was only like a last minute thing because originally I wanted it all on just desks and we couldn't get them. And I was like, oh no, I kind of want to make it more uniform. Mm. So yes, we've got the school desks, and honestly, that that show was the best show I've ever done. As in like not saying all my work i just mean like how i felt afterwards yeah. i felt like oh this feels like a complete show yeah um and it was cool man i remember we, i was i just finished some bits and bobs and i and eric Costum was he had like a little he was he's got his his setup like in the same building it was with all day every day and um he just like strolled in. He's like looking at the work <laughs> and stuff. And then I was like, oh, what is it? So he's kind of, so it was kind of like a cool vibe already. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the busiest of my shows because it was LA. So it didn't. It wasn't like home team. But like, it, the, I really let everything out. I think like I fully just was like, I'm going to write. Because predominantly now, I think most of my work is writing. Like I, I'll add a picture because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't necessarily want to read anything yeah. but the majority of it is like my sort of whatever is in my head yeah. or whatever
1: with notes in jokes references film yeah, references yeah there's and, like and, tons
2: yeah. of stuff like that like i won't do like one picture with one idea and it is generally it's more like a diary of stuff um, but all the stuff on the walls was like some old stuff i'd I'd written mm. or like I've always got like bits of text even written on my phone that I'll just think of on the train yeah. or something. i like, oh, I'll put that in something, um and it was just it was it it hit it hit it perfectly for me. um But but my fear after that was because some of the stuff I'd written, especially because it was on porn magazines, some of the stuff I write, you know, because I sort of play like a ground of like. I don't come in it from just a straight angle. It might be like a bisexual angle. Yeah. It might be like there's no Jimmy and I'll just write whatever as I take on board different characters. And, But in some of the things, I was like, oh man, well, no commercial company's going to take off this. But I was in that frame of mind of like, don't really need it. Mm. Yeah. That's when you're freest, though. Yeah. It? Like I feel like, you know, I do uh, my film work, keeps me the most busy anyway. So I was really, really free when I did it. And, um, and then I basically, after that, got oh, the reason why <laughs> I did this, the reason why I did the show, the real, real reason why I did the show <laughs> was because I'd just done a, I'm not, I enjoyed the project, but I had a lot of restrictions put on me because of who I was working with and things, and it was fine, but I had to, I had so much restrictions on the things I could do that. I couldn't write anything for this project, so it wasn't that the project was bad. It was yeah. just I wasn't allowed to do uh, so part of
1: what I usually do. Mm-hmm. It's like one of your senses was muted.
2: Exactly, and and it built up so much. I had all this stuff. I was like, I'm going to show you. Be like, fuck it. <laughs> and so and, and it, it was a direct reaction to that. Wow. Okay. And so um and like I say, this other project was great. It was a really good project, but it was just you know there's clearly no swearing allowed in my stuff. I'm not, I'm not a big swearer <laughs> yeah but, you know if there's a need or oh, there's no sexual references no, and it, and I, there's a lot of sexual references yeah. in my work um but yeah so the, the yes you're real thing was that mm. you know and essentially that's why the school does it because it's just like me being like oh i can swear yeah. now yeah 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 <laughs> um, but great title as well yeah and then from that though uh I, there was me thinking, okay, well, that's goodbye to everything there. Um, you know, no mainstream brands are going to come at me. And then someone had mentioned to me that Burberry were thinking about. They, Christopher Bailey had been trying to work out a way to work with me, apparently. But we no one could work out how or what or whatever. And I have a lot of friends who work over there. So they were telling me, like, look, there's a project, but no one knows what it is you know like they want to do something but we don't know what mm. it's going to be so it started off so i kind of heard about it and i didn't know and and then it kind of was like they came oh wait i'm going off track you just talk about the yeah sure show. Yeah, yeah yeah but it's, it's, leading, it's leading good
1: so that led on to this the burberry yeah and
2: then and then the burberry thing was it started off where they just gave me all their old uh advertising and they were like just do what you want on it paint on it but apparently Christopher Christopher was cool man like you know he'd said to everyone just whatever he does just don't change it yeah which isn't because my friends who worked there one of them they'd said do you want to work on the project with Danny and she was like no because she was worried that you know how it is on because it's a massive brand yeah. you can't just do whatever you want or so I thought and then so she, you know she was worried that it might affect the friendship or whatever but it, it it turned out really good so yeah so i basically started drawing on all the old advertising thinking uh they'll post like three yeah and that'll be you know it was a mm. cool job it was really cool was work. it proper
1: vintage advertising like yeah, yeah
2: yeah but they sent me they that it was amazing because like they sent me like scans but every print was on a different form of paper just to see what paper i like nice. like the level wow. of precision within that company was crazy so so I just do these things thinking, like I said, it'd be a fun project, nice, you know, great great brand, good people. And so um, next thing I know, they use all 15 and they just clog up the entire feed. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize it was like the collection that he was sort of doing things a bit different. And, um, and then that happens and then that gets a really good response. And then then we do the, uh, the AR App thing, so it was the augmented reality. So they had me with like the VR helmet painting in VR to set up these worlds. So when it, it was with a new iPhone, so we were sort of messing around <laughs> with that. And it's just so bizarre. It was me with this VR helmet with just a few people around <laughs> me in this massive space, <laughs> and I was like, This, like, okay, and it, it, it's pretty good. And then, um, so then that happened, and then. The social media team, I know that I don't use Snapchat or anything. Okay. And I think it was almost like a joke that someone said, let's get Danny to do the Snapchat for the show. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was, <laughs> I was so nervous to do yeah. that because it was an app that I don't use. And then, you you know, it's not like I had to have like a team of people around me because it's not like I could just post Yeah. anything. It has mm-hmm. to be like approved, but it was live. So it was all like... But that was a lot of fun and um and then and then that's when they were like okay we're going to do this the the tour thing so i'd, I'd have like my series of bags that they'd be painted on and then i'd do new york tokyo seoul beijing and then back home to london we do that tour and then we set up like a new thing in each store and no one kind of knew how it was going to work out and it was kind of fun and the New York store felt more of the home one for me because it was like all my friends turned out for that and I got Stretch Armstrong to DJ which was kind of cool. I <laughs> was like amazing. a good he was like a friend of a friend and I, and I was like do you reckon that you know a DJ? He was like I can get Stretch and I'm like Really, <laughs> and he fucking showed up, so that was good. Um, no pictures of that though, which was a bit annoying. But <laughs> yeah. So and then and then basically what happened was on this tour because I just shot this commercial in Moscow, and I'd been burgled, and oh. then there was the tour, and I, and I was so, in you know about you know getting to Japan, I started to get like not exhausted, but it was just like uh 'cause because I was drawn on everything. Yeah. And then I started to turn into almost like a performance piece. So I, I played dead in the store Yeah, I love, mm. love that stuff. And I really was like, I think I was like channeling like my Andy Kaufman. Because <laughs> kind of I just would just be, I just went off. Like it was, hands down, that project was the best Best project I've ever worked on. You were yeah. definitely
1: playing up that sullen artist um, parody in the window shots. Oh man, sell, like, like the
2: one in Seoul when I got <laughs> on to do the Larry David like the Kirby Enthusiasm thing, because they would just be sat there it's just like everyone just being like, bah, 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 bah. so I just got someone to just like just hold the camera on me and then just like put in the Curb Enthusiasm music, but <laughs> but, <it> was, yeah, <laughs> but you know, and then other stuff was happening in Beijing that um, that that i had to sort of yeah basically i i looked up and they were doing a model show in front of me i'm like you what and they were just like blocking me and they went oh can you just hide behind them i was like you stood in front. just ask me and i would have moved out of the way (laughs) and so i got a friend to take a photo to take a video of them like this photo and then me just appearing from behind these (laughs) behind these models (laughs) but i found it all funny but the stuff I was allowed to write on I feel like I was pushing it about as far as you could go and and Christopher Bailey was cool man he yeah. just was like not like no one had, he hadn't said and I met him at one of the shows and he was you know I said like thanks for just letting me do whatever I wanted he said, like, no no he was yeah it was the whole team it was a, I, I actually don't know how I'm gonna beat that experience because it had everything you know he's yeah, just yeah. like Oh, I'm totally free. I mean, I'm not going to swear. But that's what not. you've worked for,
1: though, isn't it? Yeah, you've guess, yeah. You've worked for freedom. Yeah, yeah. Like, you've... Through everything you've gone through, you've tried to get away from the, the restraints of being asked to do the same thing repeatedly over and over. You've moved around these things. And then it sounds like the... Letting yourself loose in this, yeah, sure, real mature
2: show. Yeah, showed, that was... Showed a
1: bravery that you were worried about from the sounds of things that actually led on to all of this stuff, because they probably liked how fierce and ferocious and free that was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, you know, with, with those sort of commercial clients, that was the beauty of where I sort of remembered that it can work, because... Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. It's not like I'm going to start swearing yeah. mm. on a Burberry camera. I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> like, you've got to be stupid to do something like yeah. that. I'm aware of my boundaries, but it was just cool that they let me push as far, like as close to those boundaries, mm. but knew I wouldn't go over it. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, f- yeah, It felt yeah, yeah. kind of you know nice. You territory, that, right? Yeah, and and it was kind of good that they sort of like, you know, had that sort of trust in, in that... Um, but yeah, and then yeah, that was a pretty full on, full on time that whole <laughs> thing.
1: Yeah. So directing films was a big jump from illustration. What were the first films that you made for yourself? Like, and was there a steep learning curve? What was the first personal film you made?
2: Uh, Hard to leave okay. was the first one um, about like a morning after, a uh, one night stand thing, and then because. Um, This is a long story though, man. (laughs) Because when you bring up the first ones, you've also got to bring up the Valerie Mallory Gallery. Yeah, which which is enough. And if you bring up that, that's an entire podcast. Uh, (laughs) But essentially, in a nutshell, Valerie Mallory Gallery was a fake gallery that I started only because I started making short films that I thought if I put it through... The medium of a gallery. If I put it through a gallery perspective and call it, oh, it's an art piece, it doesn't get the same judgment as if I said, "This is a short film I made." Mm. So, I just made them all for of the Valley Mallard Gallery, and no one questioned it. So I could talk <laughs> about, like, um, you know, trying to get out of the bedroom, but you got hard on. <laughs> so like you're like you're still you know sexually you're still like well I kind of want to stay in this situation but then you also know like you don't want to be in that situation yeah. so you want to leave and those sort of things where you know that before when you used to put like a music video out there was like those music video blogs or whatever and anyone could comment anonymous anonymously oh my god I can't get words out. and you know and, and it happens all the time right and they always say, I like, don't read the comments, don't read comments. And a friend of mine who's a director, I never even knew of this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, look at this, look at this. And he was showing me some of his work and people were just destroying it. And it wasn't, there was no need for it either. That was, mm-hmm. that was the worst yeah. thing. And I wasn't from that kind of background. I'm from like an art background mm-hmm. where it's like, it's, it's not that type of criticism. Especially in fashion, it's not like that at all. And so... So I set up the Valley Mallory Gallery and put everything through them To them, um, and yeah so I made Hard to Leave was the first one and then the second one was 10am Margarita which was me suddenly because I love sci-fi so that was me I call it like a casual sci-fi but it's like so essentially that was me as an illustrator bringing home all my problems mm. and moaning to ex girlfriends and not taking into consideration what they were doing, right' because I was selfish, yeah, but then you know in that story, she's won a trip to nineteen sixty five I think it was <laughs> she wanted nineteen sixty nine but it didn't <laughs> so, and then you know and she and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, cool okay, but yeah today for me, it was like really tough not taking into consideration how amazing this thing is. And even she's not taking it in. And she's like, oh, what happened? And then when she does go back, she ends up, it's actually like Hull in 1965. Because <laughs> I was like, how am I going to fill in 1965? So I was like, well, parks haven't changed for decades. So we just shot it in a park. Um, it could be anywhere. So that was, I feel like, and it was the first time it wasn't the first time I worked with Tim because we'd done another little short but n- narratives it was like the first time we'd sort of done something like that and he brought Maggie in and I've worked with those two ever since yeah
1: you've worked with a, you've collected a, a lot of friends great yeah. friends and and it's the same with the Valerie Mallory Gallery actual I love saying that actual show. That or was people see, like Christy actually, and stuff yeah, were well, yeah, just yeah. I, obviously well, we took it to Japan it, yeah yeah that's what I mean. We like
2: did a proper show with a Mallory Valerie Mallory, Mallory guy. because <laughs> um, we were, we were going to Japan for my wife's not my wife then, but uh her thirtieth. And so my friends over there were like, Oh, if you're coming over, do you want to do a show? And I was like, Not not really. I mean, yeah, but I said but I'm coming over with a bunch of my friends who were all part of this gallery that and they went, Oh, the Valley Mallory. Game. I was like, Yeah. They went, Why do you do a Valley Mallory show? I was like, first of all, you do know it's fake, right? Because we weren't telling anyone really. I was like, you do know it's fake. They went, yeah, yeah, but we love it. So So we set up that show. And then my friend Kat, who was I'd done these little short films her, she was called Anne Margolis and all that. She was this performance artist, this rich girl performance artist who you never see the work. So we've been doing those shorts already and people thought they were real. So I was like, fuck, it'd be even better if we actually go to Japan, document the whole thing and have her perform live at the show. Amazing. That, that You've got to watch that video. Right? Okay. If you haven't, like that was, that was the, cat just nailed it. But she comes out, <laughs> she comes out with, uh, at the show, co- in a black hoodie, but just covered in black balloons, and just like silently just walks in front, of and the whole crowd is just silent, and then she just starts popping them one by one, and then eventually she just goes after she gets the end one, it, it just says nothing to see here, and she goes art oh, is dead. It's like the most <laughs> <laughs> the most, the most cliché yeah, stuff, and everyone's just like oh, and then she just goes, ah oh, it's dead arigato arigato and it was everyone was like what is going on because half the people knew it was fake yeah, and the other half re- didn't yeah. have a clue they were like Are these guys for real this is terrible <laughs> um so yeah so so all the first films had a sort of sense of freedom because i was doing it through that and yeah I was like just testing waters but um yeah i think i did those those two were the very first two yeah yeah
1: and then we both love lunch break romance. I mean, that's <laughs> the use of subtitles to show in a dialogue, and then it's sort of riffing on the sort of self-effacing style. And then there's the film audience relationship with the bit where it's like, if this was a film, he would be talking yeah. to me by now. And the bit where it's like, mm. am I eating these crisps weird? It's
2: weird that that actually. I think that's the most popular film I've okay. done. Okay, and it was because how that was made was really I. Um, I was shooting a very, very, very big boy band at the time, right? They wanted to do an interview. And so when I got roped into actually being the interview. I was like, this is, this, no, this can't, no. But it <laughs> happened. And, you yeah. know, but I also knew they'd be finished by two o'clock because their schedules are super, super tight. So I was like, well, I'm going to be left with all this equipment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh. but, the sound guy was going, so I didn't have sound. So the night before, I'd messaged Tim and I said, listen, Tim, we're going to shoot something tomorrow in the park outside the studios. Get. We... Originally, it was going to be Maggie that was going to be the girl in it, but then Maggie was busy, but then he brought Bean, so was... her name's Bean Downs. Um, and he was like, okay. I said, look, I don't know what the script's going to be, but I'm going to write it in the morning. Before my thing. So, like, I was having breakfast writing it. And I wrote it that morning just on some scraps of paper because I was like, well, they'd have to learn dialogue because I had no sound. That's the only reason why I had to do it in subtitles mm. because I was like, well, all right, I need an idea. I, need ah, that.
1: I was good. We that's the next thing we were asking how you came to that start. Yeah,
2: it was because I, I knew I didn't have sound. So,
1: how did you direct the two of them then? Did you tell them what they were I thinking? I was reading the script. Amazing.
2: So, they just reacted to I was Amazing. all their inner voices. And um, they just reacted to it. And we only had uh, a couple of hours in the past. So we just, it was super, super simple. But we had the Alexa, so it looked nicer than all the previous stuff, but we had no sound. So it was like, <laughs> all right. But, yeah, and that's how it came. And I just wrote some because, you know, I, I, I tend to write kind of um, not necessarily personal to me, yeah. even though probably a lot of it is, but like quite – Regular, yeah in, in to, a, yeah, yeah, in a natural I, I, kind of
1: tone. That am I eating my crisps? Weird thing. Every day I'm sat at a desk near a couple of people. I'm like, from inside your skull, it sounds like you're eating so yeah. loud. I'm like, am I eating too loud? It's, I have to move, literally, sometimes. And, and I
2: and I love finding those little bits. And yeah. that's you know, yeah. and, and they, you know, and then that's how we did it. But what the, the annoying thing about that film was, there was two kids who lived nearby, and they kept coming into the shot, and they were doing it just because they live near this big studio where they're always filming so they've obviously done it to because uh, we saw them go off and there was another film crew film around the corner we saw them doing it to those and it was like fuck off fuck off but you can sort of see them in the background of one of the shots but it was so, it was so shallow that for field because the light was going that I knew we wouldn't be able to see them anyway but it was they slowed everything down at the end but, no. um, but yeah that was the only that's the only reason. But I wrote it that morning just because we had no sound. Because of this
1: <laughs> interview, I've been swatting up on my um, Goddard and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. that I watched, all my stuff. I watched yeah. Contempt the other day. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah, the three yeah. different languages and the subtitles switching out between the different languages. And um, that as a style is about uh, people not quite communicating. And it's like the same with this. They're not quite communicating.
2: Oh, in that way. Yeah, I never even thought of it that way. I just took it as like all my early films were all Goddard as yeah. well. Oh, okay. They were all crafted that way. Okay, because when Godard's great for like I, as as a mentality, you can't like there. Everyone starts with him, right? Because you watch his films, and the easy assumption is like, oh well, you know, he didn't have much when he do it, and, he, and you can craft the film that way, which you can. But there's a whole other language involved in it. Absolutely, that, you, you know, you can imitate the style, but the content is totally different and then but then if you look at Goddard's everyone will always look at like the 60s era right because that's the the most famous and iconic part but then he goes through this whole like transitional period you've got a 70s Goddard you've got a 80s Goddard you got a 90s and now you're now and the 80s Goddard is kind of weird because he was like I want to do videotape so there's always really random weird videotape stuff but yeah, you know, and everyone knows Tarantino was inspired by Goddard early on, but then Goddard didn't like his, said something bad about him. <laughs> and, then, and then, and I loved Tarant- Tarantino's why I started writing. In, oh, okay. in high school, that was like, I just, we, me and my friends would come in and we'd just repeat Tarantino lines. But anyway, and to me, there was something that Tarantino said in an interview about Goddard that they were saying, like, oh, well, you know, his earlier stuff. And like, and Tarantino's like, yeah, but I think out of anyone, Goddard's one of wouldn't give a shit what you thought, because it was just like, well, I'm on my own journey, and this, and it's like, if you're a painter, that's the difference, I think, between some of the film directors. Some of them come in it from film background, some of them coming it from whatever background. But the art background people are doing it because it's as an art background, you train for the journey, right? You do Absolutely. a painting. Mm. You don't aim. Uh, you don't say like you don't go into a painting with a, a final thing in mind right not straight away it's a development and so you know it's like jazz musicians whether you like them or not when they get to like charles mingus level or whatever yeah and a free form so like, well you don't just free you learn to get there you know the rules. and yeah. so you know and I, and I think that's the people i admire did that with film whether i love their films or not that's another thing because I don't have to like their films to appreciate what they do, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, that, I think that's that's been my approach, especially yeah. in the earlier films where I was trying to construct stuff because I had no money. So you just me, DIY yeah. DIY yeah. Ethic. and I think I still approach stuff like that because I know, no matter, I know I can. I know if you kind of give me most any almost anything i can kind of make something out of it it's just that's what i realize is what i seem to be good at not necessarily it's that
1: versatility isn't it of making an idea come to fruition not what the form is going to be beforehand it's like which format suits yeah. this idea
2: well i mean i've gone through so many years of like not having stuff right so you look at what you do have you know right okay so i've got this pencil i got this color paint and i got a piece of cardboard all right what am i going to do with that then and it's do you mm. know what I mean in the sense it's the same thing now but some of my tools my tools are getting better now so like now i'm like all right so i have the cameras i got the X, I i got this all right well, what am i going to do but i can only set it in a room or i can only you know what i mean so um my my new short film no one's going to get that <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get it i think people who like my stuff probably even like it like it's just but it was just in my it's been on my head for That's, so wow, long you said
1: that about yes you're real mature that you were worried nah, about it and then look where that maybe but in. this this one like
2: my wife read the script and she was like you know this isn't funny right i was like, <laughs> it's like yeah nah, it's not it's not meant to be super funny but uh yeah, I might show you after this. But yeah. Well, that <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> but you can at least see the trailer, but yeah. Um
0: so can you tell us about your first feature film, the Gold Bricks Bloom? Yeah. Um was it difficult moving from shorts into a full length?
2: With with that one no. I d like apart from like the demands of it because it was because it's bigger, right? So you've got mm. more sort of, and I didn't, and I did, but what I didn't want was my first film to be like two people in a cabin in a field. And do you know I mean, cause mm. that's the, it's the easy thing yeah. to do, right? Dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And I was so used to like all these little characters and things. So I'd written a script before Goldberg's had been the feature script that they were trying to get made. And if you ever try and get a film made, it's, a fucking nightmare because it just goes on, and other on mm. people tell people give you promises and this and that, and that, and you feel like that. Oh, I should be doing this. and I got so sick of it, and some people got attached to it, I didn't want to attach to it. Um, I was like, right, I've just got to write something that is really me now, and I, that I think I can make with a bunch of my friends. Um, and at the time, I only had like eight thousand, ten thousand dollars. So I was like, right, I think I gotta make it with $10,000. And I'd shot with everyone already. Everyone in that film has all been, in, have all been like, yeah. apart from like Zasha and Evan. And we had, you know, we had a couple of new people, but Zasha and Evan, they're all friends. So like it it was all, you know, everyone had a good sort of sense of community. So I wrote, everything was written on things that we had access to. Like, and essentially it was their whole time in Long Island, as painful as it is for me to admit, like, is, Well most of that was our conversations. Like but it's because I'm not from that background why I observe it in the way that I do. But it's the same as like what gets me is you get a lot of upper middle class fuck it. You get a lot of upper middle class white guys making documentaries about kids on council estates, mixed race kids, this or that. I'm that kid, but I'm making films about rich kids fucking out Mm. okay do you know what I mean because like being from that I don't want to see films only only just about that I know the fucking struggles that goes through Yeah. you're only selling that to people who aren't from that right so what I want to do is I want to like I get excited I'm like oh what I'm in the Hamptons and I'm going to country clubs because I'm not from that but I observe it and to be fair they're all cool with me like I haven't had Mm. any problems and I just find it interesting because they got different stories to tell. Like I've lived all those documentary things. I've lived through that. I don't need to. I don't need yeah, to watch all the time. Absolutely. So if you break down gold bricks, it's me doing the opposite. But the thing is, it doesn't get the same kind of response because it's a bunch of rich kids talking, moaning, oh, yeah, yeah, moaning about their lives while they're having brunch on a Wednesday. Do you mean? Yeah, I'm, absolutely. And and, and and you know, I'm. I'm Part of that, mm. I, and none, none of Goldbricks. I always felt was like um, I gone I went off track about how I started, but like, but I saw is like none of it ever. There's a lot of mobile phone usage in that film, mm. yeah. Which you, if you start to clock onto how much yeah. the right. phone is being used, and no one's even looking at each other. It's one of my big bugbears. You know, actually. yeah, and but at no point am I saying don't do it. At no point have I. I don't even feel like I make fun of those people, because I am those people, but I don't make fun of it. It's like, if you feel there's a problem there, then you take the problem. But like, no one, uh, no one who does that, I don't feel I made, and I have no intention of making them feel bad for doing no. it. No. Do you know I mean, it's just... I don't think any all... of your stuff's
1: sneering. Like, even the stuff with Justin, it's an in-joke. Yeah. But it's it's, there's something warm... Well, it's, any, even when you're poking fun there's something wrong well that's the
2: line though I think I think it's easy to do that like um, it's so easy to say something shit and something that's the easiest mm. thing to do right because it's not even it's not even good criticism to come in straight away and say how bad something is you got to be able to like at least appreciate something like you know I get shit sometimes some of those because I don't necessarily love David Lynch films but I respect David Lynch for making those films because there has to be those films. Yeah. And some people can't understand that just because you don't necessarily enjoy something or you don't necessarily like something. that Do that, that, that you think that, oh, you hate it and you hate it? I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. Like, I, like, there's Cassavetes films that I find boring, but fuck me, it's Cassavetes. Yeah. Like, you ha- you have to have these people. So yeah so Goldbreaks for me was was kind of like going back to it yeah I wasn't poking fun at anyone I don't think anyone took it that way anyway it was more like well what's my situation or what are situations that friends have been in and Mm. and and so I just wrote a bunch of scenes that way and you know like I said with things I had access to with with voices that I knew could handle it um, yeah and I just thought what would be fun to make but then
1: It's the two stories, though, isn't it? Yeah, and there is one character that's not from that background.
2: What people don't—I mean, it's not hardly ever seen it, so—but like, (laughs) you know, is what I sort of don't know if I made clear, which I probably didn't, was the Calvin Stone story is the fake thing. It's like the story you fed in art school, right? Like, you got to be the struggling artist, mm. and you got to this, you got to suffer to do this, blah 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 reality is the kids who are from all that get it all. And, yeah, and, and do you know what I mean? And, and that struggling artist thing, they'll just, they'll eat that up. So <laughs> the, the Calvin Stone was thing was, he was never like, that's supposed to be what she kind of imagined would be this guy's yeah. thing. Right. And, uh, that's why it's in black and white and it's got a narrator yeah. and Tony narrates so he narrates loads of my stuff. Um, But, yeah, and it was all, you know, because really there's no progression in that film. The characters do not learn anything. Mm. I didn't, none of my films end with a bow on it. And I think I even say it in that film. But, like, beforehand it was because I always used to end my, I still do, I suppose, I end them just as you'd think they would be beginning. You know, like, it's like sometimes it's mid-sentence. I've I've ended films mid-sentence a few times. But, like, (laughs) It's just, just that point where, like, you've started thinking, oh, I just end it. Because I'm like, well, you've started That's thinking, real you, life as well. There's yeah. nothing worse yeah. than a film
1: that's really too yeah, tidily tied up. Yeah, I don't want to... I don't fucking... I don't feel like
2: I'm smart enough to tell anyone, like, give anyone a message. Do you know what I mean? Crazy like, films are annoying. Yeah, oh, my anyway. God, yeah. Because you're just like, what the fuck? I'd rather just something where, like, if if it raises questions to you, that's, uh, that's it. right? Mm. Like you're smarter than me so like cool you, you think of it in your own terms and that's kind of what happens at the end of Gold like it's like this happens so what there's yeah. a star <laughs> across the universe glowing like that's what it comes down to, to yeah me. all my stuff's kind of based around about like i'm very 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 aware of uh how minuscule all this stuff is
0: Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Bison Beer. If you're in the Brighton area, then why not visit their shop in East Street, the Hideout in the Lanes, or the tap room in Hove. Follow them on Instagram, at Bison Beer. They're full of ideas, and it's great to have their support on the show. Let's all be more Bison. Um, so something I love personally about all your work is the colour, um, and, and also... Uh, I'm a surface pattern designer, so there's so much pattern, especially in the house in Long Island in. Oh, oh I'm in that house. Yeah. Um, but I was interested to find out that you're actually colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> so can you talk to us just a little bit about the color in your films and?
2: I, yeah, I, yeah, the colorblind thing. I mean, I'm not heavily, heavily colorblind, but right. it still, you know, is there. I, yeah. But like, I found out when I was like maybe 13 or something, and I was like, oh god, now I can't be an artist or you know, you, right. things like that. And then when I was on my foundation course, I had a tutor, Elspeth, um, was the first person to sit down with me and was like, right, let's work this out. Mm. So we went through this process of trying to work out how I can see the colors. And what was interesting was why just people didn't know. Um, Say I'd see something, I think it was maybe blue. And Mm. it was probably purple. She... We worked out, if I get something that we, I actually know is blue, like know it, rather mm-hmm. than see it, I know it's blue, I'll put it next to it. Suddenly, I can start to see the purple. So, okay. so yeah, so it was a matter of putting colors next to each other to be able to see them. It doesn't happen all the time, but, like, the majority of stuff, if I, if I match them up against things. Mm. So that's one thing. But then the color in my films, obviously it stems from, like, me being able – for it to be clear to me, yeah. But then, you know, I I feel like I've been doing not just film but like illustration and that for so long now that, and i you know, when you travel and you go to places and you see that you start to see other color palettes and you, and that's basically what I've kind of done. So like, when I'm away or if I see things, I'll like swatch the color palette in mm-hmm. my Photoshop and then I was mentioned earlier, like yeah. I'll write random <laughs> names like. Kevin Saw's skin colour <laughs> you know like he's pasty white sorry <laughs> Kev <laughs> um, and then like stuff like that or it'll be part of a project where yeah. like, I needed like that like oh, thingy trouser blue or something um, Daffy Duck Bill yellow, orange <laughs> and stuff like that so and then I have just developed this sort of swatch but then I also kind of but when it comes to things like uh, the contrast and that I sort of take things in that way. Okay. So if I see an image and I balance it out, more to do with contrast that I can see, not necessarily with color, mm. but it seems, it seems. I think the yeah, I think the color in my films is probably one of the most It's probably just one of the strongest things mm. about it. I say it's aside from like maybe the store the yeah, stories, scripts. it's quite a strong color palette. Yeah,
1: it's a bit more importantly. Can you talk to us about the importance of cake
2: and <laughs> and people
1: not having shoes in the films? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait what? Well, loads, and loads of the films, people don't have shoes, so you've got oh, pro-advice. He's got no shoes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't tell us you haven't noticed this. Is no, your films. I mean, I know pro-advice, in yeah. In war. But the cake
0: thing is interesting. In, yeah, there's a cake reference in your war. Sure, he get doesn't
2: he get Just like, oh, gets yeah.
1: distracted by cake when they bring that into the room. Oh, his-
2: oh my god! I've, you know what? Right? I I so on my Voltaville site, which is where I put all my short films and the nerd out. I I feel like I've caught all those references, but the cake thing's interesting. I never thought about cake because I'm not even a big cake eater. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised that comes up too much. Like you know savoury stuff I, yeah. I'd probably talk about crackers and crisps or that, but <laughs> I do um but well, the, shoe, was, the shoes yeah. thing though the shoes thing I I mean for me it was because he was dead Yeah. so I was like okay this is a mm. ghost and it, you know and I just thought it was funny because he's got no shoes and there was, a friend of mine told me years ago because you know you sort of like not sleep in parts because you're homeless but just like sunny day and you just sort of have a nap in a park Yeah, it? and I was in sort of around Berkeley Square and I was I don't know and then he was telling me how he said oh man I don't I never fall asleep in parks I was like what he goes yeah man because um my mate did it and they stole his shoe I was like what he goes yeah they stole his shoe not shoes they stole <laughs> a shoe I'm like what he goes yeah you had to walk home with one shoe on and so in the back of that's my head that's more I, humiliating isn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> I, I, I'd rather walk with no shoes but in the back of my head I just always found that funny just someone yeah. just like no shoes and um <laughs> just, I, I just there's something about it but then also I suppose you know then you go to the whole like Paul McCartney walking across Abbey Road. Oh yeah the, you full, know, the yeah. full thing yeah and so you know a, is he actually dead did McCartney actually die in a car so you've got all that <laughs> stuff so I think there's so much history with the no shoes thing yeah um, it's probably why it, it pops up. My DOB do not wear socks ever, so if he's ever hasn't got shoes on, he's barefoot. So if he's in anything, Andrew, yeah, he's definitely the barefoot guy, but yeah, <laughs> um,
1: you
2: uh, yeah, okay, so we've got one more, and then we're I on love to breakfast. All the links in, all, in my films, we picked out <laughs> the two I had no idea. About. There's so just... many links in my films, like the amount of like the amount of Bukowski books yeah. are in the background. <laughs> like, it's so, and all the characters that interlink and stuff like that. But I love that you just picked that. <laughs> that I'm like, oh, uh, what? Um, yeah, because well, cool they it.
1: talk about um, in one of the Justin O'Shea ones uh, in the, where they talk about give me your shoes. It's like, no, then I'd be barefoot. They're talking about...
2: Oh, yeah, then you can't do the barefoot. Yeah, there's all these little... Things. What? <laughs> to, to, to be fair, I don't know if I wrote that for those guys, okay, because they just sort of went off, okay, and I, that might have been the only time where like, I they, I definitely didn't write they had, they said something about it looked like a king pend- penguin, yeah, and yeah, it looked mm-hmm. like a noodle. I definitely didn't write that. You could tell I didn't write that, but um, and I don't think I wrote this thing about the grey sweaters because I didn't know they were gonna both wear grey yeah. sweaters. So I think they came up with stuff like that and then, but um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite, that quite. Yeah.
1: Um, so we love your film list and your video store days Instagram account, which everyone should follow. Are you a serial list maker?
2: Not, no. I don't think. It, not really. Not because I'm comparing it to people who I know are really, really hardcore right. list yeah. makers. So okay. in comparison to that, no. I think because the list thing I do, it it sort of it's become so much a part of like time I watch because it's all on my phone since day one yeah. everything's on the same note page and I've just got in such a habit of doing it um, I'm not in a habit of doing it everyone does like the whole like stuff to do yeah da, da, da. I started
1: doing a film list since seeing yours last year so it's my cool phone right it's got like March February yeah. like...
2: it's like if my phone was on I'd show you but like it's, but I only started because I I tend to watch the same films over and over and over again I watch new films but and it stopped me it made me sort of stop going back because I'm like mm. oh, I can't keep watching what can I find new you know what I mean and, and so it really just started like that and then I, what I said was I will never like curate it where I feel it's not me because it's okay. I know people have done it and I know they fucking lie like I know yeah. they'll like add a whatever you know like uh, whoever they'll just add something on there just yeah. to make it look like oh well I'm highly co- they won't yeah, put yeah. like yeah. I don't know Bridesmaids or whatever or some flight film I really love flight films right? <laughs> <laughs> I always have like a section of like this is just so you know I only watch this I watched yeah. the new Jumanji but I was on the flight <laughs> yeah, uh, I liked it but you know like if so that was the only thing I was like if I'm gonna do it I wanna be honest I don't wanna like pretend mm. I only watch like French films or yeah. whatever, and and I quite like that. I like that you can see how random. Because I look at it after I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? It go from like one heavy duty film to some random thing. I'm like, oh, okay, but it, it's interesting because it does make me. I feel like anyone who does it, I think it really sort of you're like, okay, what am I taking in? You know what I mean? And like, what am I actually watching? And then it, stops me f- it stopped me from watching a lot of stuff, to be honest, because I'm like, nah, I don't want to put it on my list. Yeah. Because uh, it yes. doesn't, do you know what I mean? And it, and it, you know.
1: I've gone to a few films off of your list, actually, and rewatched a few because of the list. Um, and I just, it also reminds me of, do you listen to the Brett Goldstein films to be buried with podcast? No, I don't. He basically he already sounds interesting. died. Right. He speaks to a lot of comedians. He spoke to the writer from Russian Doll recently. Oh, yeah. So, a person dies and they go to a heaven. And in that film heaven, you're judged on your film taste. So it's like, uh, what's a film that you saw when you were younger that doesn't hold up? The first, the film that you feel sexy to, but you shouldn't. Things are like <laughs> well worth going to. But it does the same thing. So that podcast, when certain films get brought up, I then go and yeah, and watch yeah. them. And it does the same with the list.
2: Well, it's because I, I, the other thing about it was I didn't want it to be me reviewing films. Yeah, like I've tried. It's only when something that I've really hated, something that I, that should have been good, right, that I'll that I'll sort of express a bit of disappointment about. But it's never gonna be like because I'm the yeah. worst critic in the world because I I have people that I really love and I know whatever they put out I'll like like I know i like any Tarantino film ever because I'm just that way I'm just that wired where yeah. I understand the process of what and I'll, I might not like them as much as the other ones or whatever not that that's really the case but he's one of like P.C. Anderson. Yeah, same. I can't fault his yeah. stuff. I can see how people can fault it, but me personally, I can't mm. fault it because I'm like, no, I understand his process and how he got there, but that's why I'm not a good critic. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a critic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because my job is to sort of see how people have made their things and and just appreciate that journey. It's only when films that had every everything there to be good and they've fallen apart because of people trying to waste money or mm. whatever, you know, those are the situations where I'm like, oh, this could have been something. You know. But uh yeah.
0: Um it's funny when you when you were saying uh flight movies, plane movies I thought you were talking about like a genre, like. Oh sn- yeah. Sn- <laughs> I'm really into like yeah. snakes on a plane. And- going <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And then you said uh, Jumanji, and I was like, oh, that's. Um, what yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I imagine I just like for one month I only watched. Really water, into that. Like, yeah. How many are? passenger fifty seven. There, there's definitely months worth. There's okay. got to be right, but I can only off the top of my head, you've of the five I can think of, you've named three of them. So like, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, they're playing one and two. Um, the whole of Lost, Soul Plane. Soul Plane, everyone. Uh, but no, this, I mean, this month my... I don't know how I'm going to fit it on that page because it, it all just had to link. Right. And so I did it last year and I really stuck by it. Like, it was, my missus was just like, can we not just... Watch? I was like, nah, because I can't watch it. <laughs> because then I have to work out how to link to that film. So that happens when I'm like, i watch something out of sequence. And I'm like, right. So the last thing I watched was Booker Bonsai And I've just watched, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Groundhog Day. How the hell do I link them? Oh, wait. Okay. So they based the end, the beginning of Life Aquatic, that walk, on the end of Booker Bonsai, and then that's got Bill Murray, Murray. so like, you know stuff like that yeah yeah right? amazing so then you, I end up on the IMDB <laughs> collaborations pages and then one of them I've got at the moment where the link was so t- it was the Foley artist who'd worked on <laughs> like one film in, in uh, Devil in a Blue Dress and then also worked on Ghost in the Shell it's fucking hell so out, that was, I had right. to link that I'm like, What super tenuous yeah yeah
1: amazing yeah.
3: though
2: Yeah, nerd level. My, I told my cousin when I was back in Leeds, and he was like, "Mate, just fucking watch films." (laughs) So we're on to the quickfire
1: round. Yeah, quickfire round.
0: Oh yeah. There's no scores. There's no. There's no.
1: We won't be judging you. Okay. First one up: Kubrick or
2: Woody Allen? Fuck, man, Kubrick. But yeah, Kubrick. Okay. I can't. I mean. Yeah, you. I, I do love Woody Allen films, um, but Kubrick's Yeah, I've also just done a load of animations with it. So, Amazing. Yeah, Kubrick's um, the man.
0: Absolutely. And um, what is your favourite film poster?
2: Uh, can I say a couple? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so Russia did a version of Vertigo with this like black skull sort of on oh. it, which is really good but I can't I can't find it anyway it was one of the first things that a designer asked me to reference mm. and I just came back with you know Saul Bass's one and he's like nah not that one I was like what so um that one um there's a version of a 2001 poster that I've always loved where it's when they did the long format ones oh yeah right and it's Beautiful. just got the you know the, it's the space station one right yeah there. I've always loved that um off the top of my head they're the, they're the ones amazing I'd say yeah
1: which idea do you wish you'd thought of bubble wrap <laughs> <laughs> can I give you a high five that, that is without a doubt the quickest anyone's ever answered that oh, really? question <laughs> normally people can't answer it
2: well I know I know that and they're the kids of that family, and they live a pretty good life. <laughs> uh,
1: we're even considering dropping it because idea is—it's called No Ideas—and we ask people about which idea they wish they'd thought of. And uh, I can't believe that was you've just, made, you've just made. you just I feel serious. good
2: about that. Then, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I wish I had my own ideas that quick. Like, is it <laughs> <like> quick? <laughs> so you travel a lot. Um,
2: which city do you find most inspiring? Tokyo is everything about it. Yeah. as a kid Japan was like the place I always wanted to go more right. than because I, like I was saying my dad maybe watched Kurosawa films and I grew up with manga films and all that and more than America by far mm-hmm. I don't think I ever really wanted to go to America until I was quite a bit older. and I was playing basketball and stuff but Japan was the place and the first I mean I've never had a bad time in Japan ever and especially Tokyo, I just yeah, that's the most inspiring place. The people are super receptive, like really receptive to like new ideas, mm. especially the younger generation. Um Everything about it, I like the vibe, I like the everything. It's that's the yeah.
1: So, what's your favorite movie decade?
2: Hmm. Seventies. I. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends, right? Cuz you cause for the no, for my nostalgia, I still probably wouldn't say the 80s. I know that's like probably an easy one to go to cuz we all have like first peoples day off and the big. goonies and big. Yeah, exactly. But uh but then again, I you know, the end of the 60s early 70s was super I probably got yeah. most inspiration from that yeah. period. Um but if we're talking about nostalgia, you know, like I said, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China is not like yeah. my favorite. But yeah. then, but then, you know, I got into films really because of '90s films, you know, so like '95 for me, like that sort of '95 period around that mm-hmm. period was kind of great for a lot of stuff because it was like music well. was killed it. Hip hop was at like its best um you had this really strong alternative scene it was it was to come into you know generate generation x was sort of like ending its peak but it was still strong i feel like i'm the i'm like what 19 so 80 to 83 is like the last of that right yeah and we're in that sort of middle ground of we're not millennials we're not generation x but you can still tell people that you know because now there's no selling out right yeah but in Generation X was selling out. Absolutely. So now it's impossible. You can't sell out now. Everyone sells out. So there's no no one gives a fuck. Yeah. It's not going to (laughs) sell out. Whereas I'm still from a period where I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. It seems like... mm." So so 90s has a lot... I have a lot to sort of thank for those films, but I don't necessarily love them. Yeah, but that's, that's... End of the 60s. <laughs> End of the 60s, early 70s, 70s. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Whenever Scorsese really kicked in.
1: Okay, well, when would you say that was then? <laughs> it's not Main Streets? Mean Streets is...
2: I see... I wouldn't... I'd say Taxi Driver. Oof, okay, yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like Mean
1: Streets felt like it was rehearsal for yeah, Taxi Driver. Yeah,
2: you know, and I feel like... Nothing against Mean Streets for that, but like I feel like it was when films... Could end bleak. Yeah. Absolutely. People, Tarantino said this actually, because everyone says Jaws was the thing that changed it, right? It was like, oh, because it opened massive. No one had ever done that before. It was the first time the big blockbuster, blah, 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 blah. And ever from that point, everything was happy endings. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It was Rocky. I love Rocky. Right? And the ending of Rocky was the first time in a long time people would come with a positive ending. Because before that, it was all like, Marathon Man, duh, 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 yeah, whatever, yeah. taxi driver. Even yeah. taxi driver has a nice little upbeat, but it's still, you know, it's like you fucking murders the whole thing. But, <laughs> but, you know, it was like, that was the culture, right? And then the second you could have a happy ending in the film, and I love Rocky, Rocky One is,
1: yeah, it's, is it's super cute. solid. Yeah. It's like
2: you got, but, and I, I, you know, and I think I respond more to like having an ending like that, you know, rather than the neat, nice yeah. thing. We all, you know, it's good to have a happy ending sometimes but sometimes <laughs> yeah but yeah so that's yeah
0: cool so um, you can either do drawing or make films for the rest of your life not both uh, which would you choose and why
2: films I think yeah. <laughs> films I'm trying to be quick with my instant responses but yeah, yeah. I'm not quick afterwards um, it's weird because the drawing for me is like it's so I idea about thinking mm. like i i the you know that's pretty much how i started to just i was drawing my mom's hairdresser magazines right because i was so bored so because i don't think of it in that way like i get more from if i complete like a film project because there's more th- like there's more people involved mm. you've got to like there's so many more assets like i got to write something in to just finish it anyone that finishes any film project has to be congratulated even if the work is shit because what it takes to pull it together like all the people involved like it's not me do you know what I mean it's like I can't be like this is my film mm. it's like it's, it's, it's too big mm. you know so I think the feeling I get from that actually being completed is probably a lot more and it's it lasts a tiny bit longer than, than the drawing and stuff
1: but yeah all right, and the last <laughs> one. Can art save the world?
2: It, well, I was going to say it already has, hasn't it, at certain times, but it looks like nothing's saving it right now. Well,
1: can you just elaborate on when do you think art saved the world? That's a fucking good answer. <laughs>
2: um, I think just the fact... just by, I break it down as in it's in everyone, right? It's just certain people choose to take it on, certain people can take it on. A lot of people don't have the chance to develop their sort of creative skills or art skills or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's in everyone. Cause like, would you, do? like you work, sorry, say you work nine to five in an office with no windows, right, what do you do on a weekend? You go to the club, you dance, you listen to music, you sing along, you like, you'll doodle stuff on an iPad, like it's in, it's literally in everybody cause it's free. But the thing is, no one wants anything that's free, you know, it's too it's almost too easy for people sometimes to actually realize like oh wait i can have a career in this and i think you know if you're not from a background where you understand the pathway through that you quickly led to believe there's no money in it mm. and you can't do anything you're not told right you know what if you paint, if you like painting and you're like 10 years old you know you can be a film director you could be you could like you could work in sound effects. You could. There's any. There's so many jobs and careers in it, but you're not. Kids aren't told that. They're just told like you join. But we ain't got the money, so you. We gonna do with that. You know, tell people. So, I think it saved the world in times when people needed something else than just fucking poverty over time. Right? Do you know what I mean? So like it saved like a kid who literally has nothing but then can build a kite that's what you're doing that's the same thing Mm. you create something like you build a kite for your own you play with your own toys you make your own toys you draw your own comics like I think that that's the side of it I think is saving those people within that world and then hopefully that gets passed on the problem is the people who don't go down that road and also the people that actually believe too much in that road, because it has to be a balance. Right, you mm. can't have just a fucking bunch of people painting pictures because we won't get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but it's unfortunate that um, you know, all kids get to an age where they got to pay rent. Would I say all kids? You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you know, and you got to do what you got to do to pay your rent, and that's fine you know you just got to remember why you did it in the first place
1: thanks to tomino for the theme music for bison beer for sponsoring this episode our families for supporting us on this journey and most importantly you the listeners for tuning in and following our ventures with no ideas
0: follow us on instagram and like and subscribe on itunes and leave us a comment if you can but only nice ones check out our website noideaspodcast.co.uk for the extra bits to accompany the shows
1: we'll be back next month with more ideas